is our part in worship? Worship is our response to what God has done and is doing in our life. But what's our part? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to sit back and watch other people worship? Or are we supposed to participate? And how do we participate? I'm Marty Dunbar, one of the pastors of John Wesley United Methodist Church. John Wesley exists to connect people to Jesus Christ. We are so excited that you've joined us for our podcast today. I want to uh, invite you to listen to this message that talks about our identity and how that determines our function in worship. I also want to let you know that there's a great book out there by Zach Nees called How to Worship a King. Very inspiring and has so much to say about what it is that we are called to do as worshipers. I hope you enjoy this message, and I pray that you're having a great week. So as we glance at the night sky, if you take a look at night, get away from the city, and you begin to see the night sky, you look out there, and you just a casual glance, you don't really realize the billions of galaxies and stars that are out there, and just the, ma- the majestic uh, vastness that exists out there with the nebulas and and all the black holes, all sorts of different things. But And then you you look a little closer at that sort of thing, maybe with telescopes or video cameras, wherever, uh, uh, a probe out into space, and you begin to see the beauty. You begin to see this vastness and the connection of this beauty and how it represents the Creator God how it all ties back into what God is doing each and every day as the universe continues to expand. I love how Romans chapter one, verse 20 puts it. The apostle Paul says, for his or God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, So they are without excuse that in creation, all people at some place in time, no matter where they are, what they've heard, they should know that God has done something magnificent, that the invisible God has been made visible in the creation of all things. That's what we've been talking about, been looking at the vastness of God, and been looking at our part, and okay, so this is what God has created. These human beings also, with their intricate and complexity of human beings, all this stuff added up reflects this divine God who's created all these things, but what is our part if we respond to this God in worship? What do we do? So this invisible God becomes visible, and the heavens declare his glory, and the heavens actually begin to worship. Creation begins to worship him. So many of you know that I might, you might know that I, I write my sermons at a coffee shop. It just gives me a chance to, to be away from the office, not be at home, and I'm usually I'm sitting there with my headphones on, and I'm trying to think through things, and how would, how, what should I say? I was doing that this last Thursday, and I, as I took a casual glance around the coffee shop, I, I saw men and women, old and young. I saw the, the beauty and the brawn and the, the folks that were a little awkward. I saw 
uh, people that had dark hair and light hair and no hair at all and different colored skin and, and this diversity, this divine makeup. And I took this sort of closer look and, and I saw, yes, a reflection of, of God in all these folks, but I also saw people that maybe were hurting you know, had some hurt in their life or they had this uh, complexities in their life. And as the, the person scurried around in the back and tried to help serve the customers or those who ordered, what were they thinking? What, were, what was their life like, right? As they reflect this divine image of God and, and all creation. And I look around this room and, and I see young and old and I see family and friends and And then we take a closer look, and we see people who have been, again, made in the image of God, but maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're you're dealing with something in your life you don't actually know the answer, right? We see all sorts of things, people who are, are, know exactly who they are here in this moment, and then others who are dealing with, who, who am I right now? In this phase of my life, you know, who am I? What does God want from me right here and now? And do we, hopefully, as I look around this room, I see people who identify with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want you to identify something for me. There's this noise, this sound we're going to listen to. Who, what is that? Crickets, right? It's crickets. So if you've grown up uh, anywhere, been around Texas in the summer, you hear crickets, Right? You even see crickets, right? Um, I remember growing up, you see these little guys outside convenience stores and stores, especially when the swarms of crickets would come in, and they would be, or if you ever played sports, they were around all those little sports lights, or if you're ever in a parking lot, a grocery store, sometimes you have swarms of crickets, right? These bugs you wanted to smash, right? Or you walked into a store, and you're wondering, I know that thing's going to jump on me. I know that thing's going to jump on me, right? And you wanted to smash it because if you did smash it, and too many of these smashed things, it, they started to smell. Have you ever smelled that, that cricket smell, right? And so if you identify this thing, we would know this is a cricket, this is an insect, this is something we want to smash, we want to kill. What if I gave you an alternative understanding of its identity? What if this thing could be roasted and seasoned and turned into food? Right? Maybe it could be some sort of food mixed with granola or possibly roasted and seasoned and ground down into a powder mixed with flour or put into a can and, and used as protein mix. Did you know that crickets actually have more protein than beef? Did you know that crickets have more calcium than milk? Did you know that crickets actually have more iron than spinach and fatty acids, more fatty acids than salmon? Did you know that? It's interesting. As we begin to learn things about the identity of a cricket, pound for pound, you get more bang for your buck for a cricket than you do anything else, chicken, beef, cow, whatever. It's easier to raise them. There's less demand on resources in our world. Actually, two billion people have bugs in their diet. Did you know that? Two two billion people on the face of the earth already eat bugs in some form or fashion. And they're banking on you eating crickets 
because they say that the edible bug industry is going to grow by $720 million in the next four or five years. That's just a financial help. You never know what you're going to get when you come to church, right? But once identified as just an insect that we want to smash is also a superfood. Now, so identity is vitally important. It's essential to our life, our faith. Uh, identity determines function, as we're going to be talking about today. Love how Apostle Paul talks about identity in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. He says, and to put on the new self, put on the new identity in Christ, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what do we know about ourselves? As we identify with Christ, we know that we are a child of God. We know that we should be a follower of Jesus. We should become like him. We should live like him. We also know we are wonderfully loved. Beyond wonder, we are loved, right? Today, I want to present a case to you that we can discover and understand our biblical identity in worship and how it actually will change our life. If you are a part of, anybody a part of my um, study this last spring on the tabernacle? Anybody in here? Yeah, a few of us. Okay. So uh, you might have heard some of this information. I'm just going to share because I want to catch everybody else up on it. But identity determines function, okay? That's what, what we're going to talk about today, that identity determines function. So if you have the wrong identity, you have the wrong function. And that's very important when it comes to worship. As we talked about the do's and don'ts of worship last week and what worship was and what worship wasn't, okay? Worship, we are created to worship. We will worship something. If we don't worship God, you're going to create, you're going to worship something. So we are called to worship, respond out of what God has done, who God is. And in light of that, we should know our identity in worship, which helps us understand our function. But we've skewed our identity a lot of times. We have relegated ourselves to simply being recipients, recipients of something, sitting and getting and what that happens, what happens is, is we cripples the church. It cripples the passion people can have as they go out into the world and live their faith. So who are we? All right? Who are we? What, what do we do? What's our part? That's what we're going to answer today. Scripture. If you have your scriptures, turn to Exodus chapter um, 19, verses 5 through 6. So we're going to be looking at Exodus 19. We're going to look at a couple of other things in Exodus. We're going to be looking at some things in 1 Peter. So here's what Exodus says. This is God speaking to Moses. Moses is up on the mountain of Sinai, Mount Sinai, and he is talking with God. And God says this. He says, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. He is speaking to Moses, yes, personally, but also to all of Israel, as Moses is their leader. And he says, what? You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. So there are many biblical teachings on who we are, what our identity is in God and Christ and what we're supposed to do. Well, our role in worship and our identity in worship is we can learn from the Old Testament. You and I 
will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now, that's God's original calling on God's chosen people, Israel, that they would be a nation of priests, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Now, a lot of people would say, okay, Marty, I know my Bible. I know that not all of the Israelites were priests. They had this clan. Part of their, you know, uh, makeup was the Levites, and they were the priests. They were the priestly people that were in charge of all the worship and all the stuff that had to do with worship. Well, that was the family of Aaron, and that's correct. The Levites did have that. But the original calling was that all of Israel would be a nation of priests. And then what happened was the golden calf. If anybody knows what the golden calf story is. So Moses is up on the mountain. He comes down, and all the people have gone ballistic, okay? I guess they don't want to worship the, nor- the God that brought them out of Egypt. It's been a couple of months, and so they're just like their fearless leaders up on a mountain. He's having a retreat, whatever it was, right? They were thinking, and they started making this golden calf. They start worshiping this object, Moses comes down, he sees this, and then he stands, and this is what Exodus 32, verse 26 says. So he stands at the entrance of the camp, and he shouts out to all the nation of Israel, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. None of the other clans, none of the other tribes, nobody gathered around him, just the Levites. Okay, so there begins to be a slight separation with this, right? The original calling, all would be priests, but now the Levites have gathered around. They are faithful. In Numbers 1, 50, put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, along with all its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel. They must take care of it and camp around it. So the Levites were given the ministry of worship. You trekking? Okay, staying with me? So this is a new perspective. Why does it matter? Because a lot of times we have made faith about religion. And religion says your function determines your worth. Your function determines your worth. So if I pulled out my pen and I wanted this pen to function and it didn't function right, I would throw it down and I'd say, that's ridiculous. I am done with it. That's religion. Because you didn't function right. Because you didn't act right. Maybe possibly you sinned when you shouldn't have sinned or whatever it was. Because you didn't function right, you weren't valuable to God anymore. That's religion. That's religion. But we're talking about worship. See, worship is the opposite. God determines our worth. And then ultimately faith gives us our identity, and in our identity, it determines our function. What are we supposed to do? Our identity determines our function. So priests, really, you might be not convinced. You might be saying, well, gosh, priests are, isn't that a Catholic thing, right? Isn't that an Episcopalian thing? Isn't that a Lutheran thing? Whatever. Um, You know, you're not Father Marty, Priest Marty, you know, or Cheryl or Todd, you know, you guys are pastors. And so, okay, well, maybe it's just the clergy thing, all right? Um, Y'all have an exclusive job, set aside, ordained ministry. Yes, that is correct. But listen to what Peter says. 
right? If you're a follower of Christ, right? And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. You are his holy priests, drafted into the priesthood because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And then later in that chapter, it says this. It says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. See the connecting point back to the original calling of God's chosen people, right? You are a royal priest. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. That's huge. Our Wesleyan understanding of the priesthood of all believers. Yes, there are people who are called, ordained elders as your pastors are. There's some ordained deacons. There's people, people that are ordained in a particular way, set apart for certain things. But what we do is we preside over worship with other priests, with you. This is not a come and just sit and just watch. It's a participation in our hearts, right? In our lives. It's obedience. It's sacrifice, as we talked about last week, right? It's open to all men and women. It's open to all believers who want to, this is essential to the call of a believer to understand their gifts and their graces and live out of that, with a passion in their life. We are the church. And who is the church? We are priests. Priests who declare God's worth, who value God and declare that into the world, who identify with him as part of our purpose and who we are. Now, that's one of the greatest privileges because it's no regard to your pedigree, no regard to your job, no regard to um, where you were born and what the world identifies you as, as you are his priest, his chosen nation. Yes, that's exciting. So what now? So if our identity determines our function, what do we do now? How do we function? What do we do? Well, if you want to write some things down, you're taking notes or whatever, the first thing would be is we are carriers of the presence of God. We carry the presence of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 through 9, it says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi. Remember, the original calling was to all nation of Israel. But Levi, the tribe of Levi, to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant. So the priests carried the ark of the Lord's covenant, and the ark was the very presence of God on earth. Okay? And to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name, these are their duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. And I love how they, it says this. The Lord himself is their special possession, as the Lord your God told them. See, God is big enough that their relationship with God and faith is their prized possession. And they are carriers of the very presence of God. The church... Christians, followers of Christ, are the very presence of God. We carry, we are spiritual temples through the Holy Spirit, right? And it is within you, as Paul says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. So where you go, God is represented. 
Where you walk, God is. Where you step, the kingdom of God is there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, another thing that we do is we're called to be stewards of the meeting place. Stewards of the meeting places. Numbers, again, we read this earlier, but put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant. Along with all its furnishings, all its equipment, uh, they must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as they travel, and they must take care of it and camp around it. The tabernacle was a tent, mobile tent, which is a mobile worship service, mobile sanctuary, place to worship, right? It was a place set apart specifically for God and man, God and human beings to meet. Now again, remind you what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 5, and you, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests, walking and talking and breathing temples of God. And that's just over, almost overwhelming to think that that is a part of who we are and what we're called to do. And that's our identity. And that's what we do. We actually get to carry and be the spiritual home for Christ. See, that's where God and humans meet. In the ordinary places, you're stewards of the worship places. In line today at the grocery store will be a, a place where God can meet man and woman in you, right? When you're at a restaurant and the waitress doesn't bring your ketchup quick enough, right? Don't destroy the worship place by your actions or with your attitudes. Don't destroy the very meeting place that God has set up. I remember when I was in Cancun, Mexico on a mission trip and we, uh, we go up on the roof of this building at night and have these little Bible studies because it was cool up there and there was a little breeze up there. We didn't have air conditioning in the building we stayed or anything. And, and the youth would gather around and we would do our little small groups and our Bible studies. I can remember, it was such a holy place. It was one of those things for me, I could just pitch a tent and watch God work, you know? And the conversation and creation and the breeze and the reflection of the day. Just pitch a tent and watch God work. We're stewards of the meeting places. It's a redefining of our identity in our life. So another thing that we do as priests, we're called to minister to God. Right? That's part of what we're supposed to do. The essence of worship is to minister to God. Latrio, which is to minister to God, it means, okay? It's, a, it's a, a word that's very important to what we're called to do, our identity. Because worship is not for humans. Worship is for God, as we talked about. And we should understand that. It's not just sitting around and getting, but it's like what? Worship is giving to God, not getting from God. And then worship is about the giver, not about the gifts, right? And so the giver is God, and when we actually minister to God and we lift God up, not ourselves, our own wants, desires, whatever, we lift God up, his very presence comes into our midst. It's enthroned, as the scripture says, on our praises, right? On our prayers. 
and he is there. So who are you, church? What part do you play? You're priests, right? We're priests. And we're called to help others worship God. That's another thing. We're called to help others worship God. Not hinder them, but help them. In 2 Kings, in chapter 17, they're talking about how uh, the Israelites were in exile. And no one knew how to worship. They wanted to reestablish the worship and the temple. And so here's what Scripture says. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. They didn't know. And so it was the job of one of these priests to go and help others worship. Priests don't just sit there and get. They actually bring their attitudes. They bring their offerings. They bring their joy. They bring their stories. They bring all these things and they bless others. And they also equip others for opportunities to meet with God, right? As we have equipped others with the opportunity to meet with God here today, this building, this beautiful sanctuary, a beautiful place that we can teach our children and our youth and adults. What does it mean to live life as a Christian, right? I mean, you think back 20 years, right? Or Judith, she's helped minister to God to help bring about, to help others worship God, right? I mean, that's a part of what you can do as well with your attitudes, your gifts, your graces, all those things, So our identity determines our function. Our identity determines our functions. And we're called to to carry the presence of God. We're called to steward meeting places. We're called to minister to God. And then we're called to help others worship God. And that's what this worship wonder series has been about. Our part. What's our part? Right? We're love beyond wonder. Creation is a reflection of who God is. We're supposed to respond to who God is. And we respond in worship. And each one of us has a vocation. Each one of us has a role, and we are priests, priests, his chosen people, spiritual temples, right? We are meeting places with God, and we take him with us. We are tied into creation, interwoven into all that God continues to do and is doing. And there's this divine image inside of us. And because of our faith, we are priests. Could you imagine if we all claimed that and all lived out of that? That would be a whole change of identity for a lot of people. We would change the world. We would capture it for Jesus Christ. Church, who are you? Priests, right? And we have a role to play. We have a purpose and a vocation. And again, that's our identity, and it determines our function. I took the Great Commission by Christ, who uh, he shares it with his disciples at the end before he ascends, and uh, he says, you know, go out into all the nations and baptize them, you know, in the name, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's the Great Commission, go out and make disciples and baptize them. Well, I have just a blessing I want to share with you. I've sort of taken it and placed it into what we're talking about today as priests. And just just close your eyes and receive this in your life. Go, faithful followers of Jesus. Be the priest God called you and made you to be. Be a nation of God's presence. Building moments in which each person that you come in contact with can meet God. Be God ministering. Presence carrying, 
people blessing priests. I'm calling you out. God is calling you out today. It is your God-given destiny in Jesus. He is here today waiting for you to claim it. And there is a dying world waiting for you out there to arise as a holy nation for God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, I invite you to support our ministry by giving online at jwumc.org give. I also would invite you to find a church to attend on a regular basis or join us at John Wesley on Sunday mornings at 8.15, 9 o'clock, and 11.15. God bless and have a great week.